everyone and welcome to another episode of Living on Blockchain. Today we are speaking to Sudeepan. Sudeepan is the founder of Unsnarl. It's a cybersecurity platform for Web3. They have, uh, they, they, they are basically a little different from the usual lot of security audit firms because they are not a service company. They are actually a product company uh, which is uh, built in India with Indian founders. A uh, very exciting conversation around how cybersecurity, often overlooked, becomes the very important crux on which everything Web3 uh, kind of stands. So I really can't wait for you guys to hear this and learn from it. And uh, if you are from the cybersecurity space or learning in this space, uh, this this would be really especially meaningful for you. Uh, so let's, let's deep dive right in. Hi, Sudeepan. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing good. Uh, it's been a great day uh, from from the morning, and I've been doing good. Uh, good right now. Awesome. Uh, so, for our listeners, would you like to tell us a little about your background and how you got into the Web three space? Yeah, sure. So, uh, I'm Ansudeepan, and I'm co-founder and CEO at Ansnal. Um, uh, Ansnal is uh, predominantly a Web three security company. Uh, I uh, had a background of Web two security, so um, I. Um, I do call myself uh, an IIT BSU dropout because I dropped out of college recently. So uh, both both me and my co-founder dropped out of his colleges recently. So uh, we are we are in the I am in the third year of my college, and Orko uh, was in the uh, fourth year of his college. So we uh, so I uh, started Web three uh, only a year back, but before that I was more of this uh, cyber geek and college hacker sort of a person who uh, used to uh, do a lot of penetration testing and stuff in the uh, Web2 web security space. Uh, I had learned this almost six months and then I practiced for six months. So uh, that that has been quite a bit of my journey. And then uh, it was uh, down around Jan 2022, uh, right in the first year of my college, uh, when I actually thought of building something into cybersecurity. At, at that time, it was not around uh, Web3 to be specific. But at that time, it was around uh, something around Web2 and something around to educate people through some gamified version of cybersecurity. That was what I was uh, building at that point. And then uh, I went through several iterations, uh, did a couple of internships in uh, companies of our alumni, somewhere around, you know, security only, somewhere around deep tech, ML, AI and stuff. So uh, did a lot of that stuff. And then finally uh, uh, decided because I was there in Bangalore. This is around six months uh, post that, post Jan 2022, around August. 2020, I was there in Bangalore and uh, there were a lot of uh, hacker houses uh, occurring over there. Uh, I think there was a Solana hacker house and then there was this um, a Google uh, workshop as well, which uh, occurred, which was centered, centered on Web3. So I got introduced into Web3 from there and uh, it has been a great journey from there. I got introduced into Web3. I got to, I got to know about uh, blockchain uh, security to be specific. Uh, I explored that for around a month and then uh, I wanted to build something then in that space, uh, in the blockchain security space, but I did not ex have an experience uh, of a lot of uh, this blockchain stuff. So I started uh, contacting people on LinkedIn uh, and that's how I met my co-founder. So uh, yeah, and after that, it's been a roller coaster ride uh, till till date. It's uh, almost a year we celebrated uh, our founder's anniversary just uh, a few days back on 1st September 2022. Yeah. Wow, wonderful. So, you know, it takes quite a leap and considering I've been there, done that, uh, like, you know, when you're studying and you want to, like, start your own venture, it has yeah. an, has a profound impact on your personal, professional life and also just as you as a person. Uh, what is, uh, how did you perhaps perceive changes in yourself and uh, the people around you 
and what was the take of your family when you decided to perhaps uh, you know drop out and start your own full time venture into cyber security yes yeah, so uh, number one thing is that i uh, am actually a person who at, at one point i am very uh, enthusiastic about taking risks because uh, that's what my journey has been while, while i was even preparing for Uh, the iit entrance exams i was doing some side hustles and stuff at that point i made quite a lot of bucks because at that point uh, you know uh, digital marketing was at a peak because each and every person was uh, continuously going down through his phones i uh, used that opportunity to get into digital marketing i earned quite a lot of bucks uh, uh, during uh, the covid times uh, uh, through digital marketing so so at that point it was for me it was like i was always um, engrossed into learning uh, skills which could make me financially free so that was one point at the same time uh, i like to call myself a bit paranoid about uh, you know uh, whatever is happening throughout the world and whatever competitions um, are there in the industry so uh, i'm i'm very paranoid about the competition so at that point uh, you know when, when i when we actually started our one snarl we did not have a lot of idea about what we are actually building what we are actually doing but now that we have um the idea of what we are doing or what we are trying to build uh, at that at this point uh, actually you know the the, the risk take a, taking things actually comes into execution when it comes into execution it changes the dynamic of your life because uh, then then and there you have your parents involved in this entire thing where, where you know in india we have this uh, very common mentality that uh, and i belong to a middle class family and in middle class family the degree is uh, your uh, certificate to success uh because uh, that is what has happened uh, in past in my entire uh, uh, household so uh, that's a very common thing i uh, had to do a lot of persuasion they're still not uh, completely into terms with uh, what i say but yeah they have they have you know at least understood what i am doing we have numbers in our hand to show uh, that we are we are earning we're not uh, leaving college just on the basis of uh, simple investment money um that's the thing uh, but yeah we we got venture back and post that we decided that we should uh, go into this full time and we should uh, you know actually build uh, things ground up from cyber security because and cyber security interested me because uh, in general from india uh, there are not many lot cyber security companies which are growing up uh, and scaling across the world um, and that that's a, a huge potential opportunity down in india wow wonderful So tell me a little about the platform itself. How are you say uh, you know different uh, from a quill audit, and uh, a little more about you know what you what you guys are building? Yeah, sure. So uh, quill audits then uh, quill audits has been uh, a good friend of ours. Though we uh, you know always have had some uh, considerations whether uh, you know they are into audits, we are into audits, or how is this entire thing going on. uh but uh yeah we we uh, are essentially a lot different from them we are uh, like quite different from uh, all the audit firms that exist um we first launched down our first product around uh, the end of may in the first week of june where uh, uh, we came up with this entire product called detect box where we uh, initially tried out to uh, conduct security audits in uh, an entire freelance model uh so i think uh, that is where uh, we actually got a lot of insights so we did around eight audits in the last three months we gathered a lot of insights from the industry and uh, post that once we secured our venture funding we're now going into an entire you know brand shift uh, 
uh, quote unquote, we are going into rebranding and we are going into the entire cyber risk sector. So uh, uh, this entire uh, journey of uh, us getting into audits and actually understanding what's there in the industry and what's actually shallow um, has eventually led us to understand that uh, where uh, actually cyber risks stand and what's assessment. So there's this, I uh, eventually divide this entire security industry into two parts. One is the entire security assessments industry, where you have these security audits, penetration testing, bug bounties, audit contests, and stuff like that, where all these great players are already existing. And then you have this entire risk management sector, where uh, you have some great companies like Gauntlet Chaos Labs doing financial and economic risk management, uh, as well as there, there are companies which are trying to mitigate stuff using incident response. But... Um, there is a huge gap if you understand this industry. Once you do audit and then, uh, you know, you take an incident response, there's nothing to bridge in the between. That is in your entire life cycle, that is the life cycle of your company. You do not have anybody managing your uh, company's risks, your organization risks as a whole, and obviously the cyber risks which are associated with it. So uh, that is the uh, broad space which we figured out, and that is the space where we are entering. So... Um, we essentially call ourselves the uh, de facto uh, standard uh, for measuring, managing, and mitigating cyber risks in Web3. So uh, that is what we are trying to do. And uh, what, what um, uh, we essentially look like is sort of a middleware where, you know, we uh, are throwing you out three very important parameters which are currently missing in the industry. Uh, number one, uh, one of the biggest parameters which are throwing out is uh, the, the risk score which we give. Now, the risk score which uh, which were there in the industry were very red, red amber green. And what do I mean by red amber green is that they were very qualitative. Um, you know, even uh, uh, I'm not naming any individual firm out here, but uh, if you go go down with some of the biggest firms in the uh, industry, they give very qualitative risk scores. And if a protocol is getting hacked, let's say they give a risk score of 91 out of 100. And if a protocol gets hacked, the next day it goes down to 61. And that's a very very, very distrustful issue for all the users who are connected to, number one, that uh, audit company or that huge security company uh, and their risk scores, and number two, the protocol, because that's a huge uh, trust gap. Uh, that was the thing which we figured out. So we give you a risk score, which basically predicts the breach likelihood of your protocol in the next six to 12 months. And how do we do that is basically our own proprietary AI model uh, something involving Bayesian networks. Um, we, we are co-developing that with Queen Mary University London. Uh, so that's what we are doing. Number one, we give you the breach likelihood score. Uh, then uh, we give you the dollar value impact of uh, any risk which is there in your organization. So uh, the basic problem with all these cybersecurity products and all these security audits which are happening is that, as I said, they're very qualitative. They do not quantify the risks which are there. That is, they do not connect the risks which are there in your organization to the business impact. And that is what we, where we come in and we give you the dollar value risk of any threat which is there to your organization, number two. And number three, uh, uh, the, one of the most important stuff which we say is that um, uh, anything that cannot be measured cannot be managed. So now that we have helped you to measure things out, uh, we help you to essentially manage it in two or three ways. Uh, number one is that we give you financial and technical mitigations in your code. Number two is we give you uh, insights on where to invest in security and how much to invest in security because that is what the CEO and the board level understands because they don't understand. So 
uh, each and every company has some of the other CISO or CRO chief risk officers who are presenting the risks of the uh, security threats of the company down to the board. And the board is not able to understand that because they're presenting some four out of five risk score. But let's say the CISO or the CRO presents that I'm sitting on a risk score of, uh, let's say, $100 million currently as of now. And if I am spending $5 million, then I can bring that potential $100 million to $15 million worth of risk. So that is what the CEO and the board understands. And that is what we are helping out the entire, uh, you know, this entire security in, in blockchain space to be. So, yeah, that's that's pretty much what we are doing. And we, we consider ourselves to be there in the ecosystem risk space and not in the audit space right now. Okay, awesome. So thank you for uh, giving like a very extensive coverage of what you guys are building. So you would consider yourself a product company or a service company primarily? Yes, so we are a pure uh, product and solutions company where, hmm. you know, we uh, drive an entire product. So we're building up this entire cloud through in which you can manage the risks of your protocol. So let's say if you have built a protocol, you can manage the entire risk in an automated way in that entire cloud-based SaaS, which we provide to you, number one. And second, if you also want an entire solution, so let's say you belong to the DeFi industry, and we have an entire extensive solution for the DeFi industry that is that specially caters to DeFi. So we modify our cloud SaaS for you, and then we give down the SaaS to you. But also, we also have something called a security operations center down in our company, which are a group of very great cyber experts who are constantly sitting, monitoring, and evaluating the risk of your organization or your protocol and obviously the user's money which is involved in your uh, uh, protocol or TVL. Very interesting. So, you know, your vision to perhaps build like a first virtual Web3 security operations center uh, is, is a very ambitious goal. Uh, can you elaborate a little upon this particular goal and the components that it would entail? Yeah, sure. So, uh, uh, like... First of all, security operations center, what do we mean by that is uh, all these companies, uh, which are, let's say, today in Fortune uh, 2000s of range, they have their own internal security teams, which constantly evaluates, uh, exercises, and mitigates risks which are there in their organization. Uh, now, this could be uh, all cross-functional cyber risks which are there, as well as third-party risks which are there. But the problem with an emerging industry, as well as, uh, uh, all the companies which are there in the medium to large stage is that they cannot afford an entire security team because security comes very expensive. And that is what it is meant to be. Uh, so um, what happens in a virtual security operations center is that you do not have to manage the entire security operations center of your company. You do not need to keep people. We have an expert team of cybersecurity people who will manage your end-to-end -end risk. As I said, uh, audits is just one thing. And the, and the end of the stack, that is at the, the topmost portion of the need hierarchy, we have the uh, incident response systems. But in the middle, we have nothing currently in Web3. And that is why we have a huge gap because we are measuring things reactively through the incident response. We are trying to mitigate things uh, in, a, in a pattern recognition manner by the audits. But you know to manage the entire thing proactively, all the risks, there's nothing existing. So that is where... Um, you know, uh, Ansnal comes in and you guys can rely on us for the entire risk management of not only your protocol, not only your users funds, but also your organization as a whole, because your organization has 
a lot of people and we we seen in the uh, recent days that there have been a lot of privacy attacks which are happening and private keys are getting lost from within the organization and that is because the people who are involved in the organization are potential risks to the organization you need to in, inculcate that also in the risk modeling of the company and that is where you know we provide a very comprehensive solution uh, number one through a product and also aided by an entire security operation center which you could call the command center or one security team outside your company which is working 24/7 to monitor all your security needs absolutely brilliant so you know you've come from web 2 to web 3 uh, what are the kind of challenges that you perhaps uh, come across and how is the security area you know different is it any different or would you say that it's pretty similar because you know you come from a uh, background where you were a penetration expert in web 2 and now you are running a web 3 company uh, what would be like the major differences or challenges that you come across oh uh, like security in web 2 and security in web 3 uh, the fundamentals are very different uh uh what what we what i mean by the fundamentals is uh that uh you know i say the core uh in web 2 the security was very static what i mean by static is that you know you have all these security measures coming on at the uh, at top of the pile like for example you are an attacker let's say potential attacker and let us imagine that you have a database that i have to breach as or you have to breach as an attacker then you have to first go through all the firewalls then let's say there's some malware protection there then there's some endpoint protection there you have to manage all that static stack of security and then finally you will be able to reach the database so uh, security in web2 was very static you need to break through all the measures one by one to get to the database but in web3 it's very it's very dynamic because uh, in web3 security is at the transactional level because once you've done a transaction in blockchain to reverse a transaction we all know that you know even even to reverse a transaction even to reverse a malicious event ethereum got divided into two uh, two different parts so that is pretty difficult because of the entire community driven 51% thing that we all know needs to come in from the entire dao or the community of the protocol so that delays a lot of stuff and uh, in most of the cases funds are not getting uh, recovered in such cases once you have already a transaction uh, uh, occurring but in web2 what was happening is that even after a data loss you had a lot of significant chances of getting that data back but in web3 that is not happening uh, so in web3 security needs to have a lot of proactive approach as compared to what is there in uh, web2 because it is static in web2 you can have a reactive approach to it but since it is very transactional and dynamic in web3 you cannot have a reactive approach to it you cannot just go and say that hey i just did a blockchain transaction which was wrong uh, some attacker or malicious people uh, took took uh, took down my money we just revert that transaction back that cannot happen you need to stop that before the transaction and that is where the challenge of the potential uh, problem comes in and that is where there's there's a huge gap uh, currently in the industry and that is why consensus also mentions that web3 security um, is is quite underdeveloped but uh, what we comprehend is that it is not only underdeveloped it's broken as well so that is where you know we are trying to bridge that entire thing to one solution right thank you for sharing light on this yeah you know you you mentioned about how you guys are doing risk quantification uh, and that i find uh, fairly fascinating uh, so how does this empower organizations uh, to make informed decisions is this something that is open to the end user as well or is it just like more b2b in nature and uh, can you perhaps give an example to tell us how do you go about doing it? okay sure so uh, let's say 
uh, let's consider the protocol uh, with which we are working and uh, apparently uh, it has several interactions so number one let's say it's storing private keys it's having third party interactions with several other uh, organizations so uh, if, if we plainly plainly take the example of Aave in this case Aave day to day interacts with multiple protocols in its environment and that is where uh, you know we essentially come in so we consist uh, we consist of an entire middleware SaaS solution we uh, give, give the solution directly down to our ways team. We pull in signals from all the security controls, all the existing security controls which are there in their organization. And then using our own Bayesian network models and something called Monte Carlo simulation, uh, we give you these three things as I mentioned. Uh, number one, the breach likelihood, then the dollar value impact, and finally, uh, how to mitigate that. So uh, this dollar value impact which we give you uh, essentially helps you to make informed decisions on uh, how much to invest in security and where to invest in security. Uh, so that is pretty important because you need to understand that uh, you know, having multiple audits efficiently does not help you to be more secure, but it decreases the ROI uh, over and over time. And uh, because it decreases the ROI, uh, you should not spend over audits all throughout your season until and unless it's a major uh, a major change in the code base which you are going through. Sure. So, uh, Sudeepan, that's very, very interesting. Uh, what I find very fascinating is that, you know, you mentioned risk quantification as a SaaS product. So how does this empower organizations? Is it available for end users as well, or is it just uh, more B2B facing? And could you give us an example and walk us through how you guys do this? Okay, so so uh, uh, apparently if we talk about the user journey in this case, so uh, we come in as a middleware. So let's say if you are serving Aave in this case, then Aave is sort of a uh, protocol which is interacting with several other protocols in its environment. And that is why there comes in several other third party risks which are associated with it. So where we come in is essentially a middleware where uh, all the uh, you know, all the security controls which Aave already has can be integrated with us. And uh, essentially, if that can be integrated and all the APIs can be integrated, we only need a read-only API access of all the security controls which you have. We pull in signals from them. These signals are basically data packets from all the security controls. And using our own Bayesian network uh, model plus uh, something what we call the Monte Carlo simulation, we throw out these three important factors to you. Uh, number one is the breach likelihood. Number two is uh, the uh, uh, you know the dollar value risk, and number three is how to mitigate it and uh, what can be the actionable insights. So uh, these are the three things we primarily focus on, and uh, uh, you know this can eventually help uh, the organizations uh, to make really really uh, uh, significant decisions on how to spend on security and where to spend on security because they're really having a lot of issues um, regarding calculating the roi on security um, which we call the rossi return on security investments they're not able to understand uh, this entire scenario just because uh, you know you are going on spending on audits on one hand and you're going on spending on incident response you spending nothing in between so how do you understand that uh, what is the return on security investments? Audits don't give you a continuous return on security investments. Neither do spending on uh, a random uh, incident response tools give you some uh, uh, ROI uh, on the entire security thing. So how do you bring up an entire uh, uh, track that you're spending, let's say, a million dollars on security, then does it uh, give you some great outcome out of it? 
you're not able to understand that and that is where we come in and give you, we uh, say that hey we are one stop solution where you can uh, essentially connect any business uh, risk to the impact financial impact which is there associated with it so uh, yeah that's pretty much it and apart from that uh, we are keeping an angle for the retail investors um, where you know we're quantifying risks and this breach likelihood score we are giving obviously um, this is in consulting with the organization whatever uh, the organization wants to show to the uh, uh, to the protocols dao or the people or their community to build more trust we are having this entire page for retail investors uh, where you know they can essentially see the cyber risk on which the organization is sitting on at any given point in time or the protocol is sitting on and then they can analyze that my funds are how much secure if i invest in this protocol and that is how i think the entire community will grow up as a whole because uh, you know there'll be protocols uh, i i can bet uh, and i can say that there are protocols currently they're sitting on so much amount of risk they don't even understand they're sitting on so much amount of risk when we integrate a solution they'll be able to understand that they'll spend in a proper way and i think um, the, the basic issue with web3 currently is the adaption problem which we all are facing and if uh, you know th these hacks continue on the adoption will be a huge Uh, a problem because if you talk about let's say I today open one new protocol, the users of Aave only will come to my protocol. I'll not be able to acquire some new users from Web two to Web three. That's the basic problem, and that that problem will get mitigated once you have less and less in number of risks associated with the transactions and the users' interactions with your protocol. So that is uh, very very critical, and that is where we are playing a pivotal role. All right. Okay. This sounds, uh, you know, extremely interesting. So uh, right now, as of now, because you know, you mentioned that this is, uh, probably it makes a little more sense for, uh, you know, businesses than retail users, even though you have an angle for them. Uh, can you tell us a little about uh, the protocols that are utilizing your platform? Yeah, sure. So, uh, like, uh, our primary target right now is, uh, you know, to get into, uh, DeFi, uh, as as a sector first. because um uh, you know we were uh, trying to build things up down with them because that is the most affected sector as of now um and secondly is to uh, literally go into the infra side where you know th there's this uh, entire thing around ck coming up and then we have a lot of stuff around uh, nft infrastructures not nft as as a uh, token or as, as some marketplace but nft infrastructures which are, which are getting built payment solutions which are getting built all these solutions require a very high risk analysis across their organization uh, and obviously across their uh, technical uh, code base as well so that is where you know we come in uh, primarily targeting right now defi and uh, a few connected industries but uh, what we are actually interested in and what actually drives us is uh basically this entire um, you know private blockchain industry where you know you have these hyperledgers and dlts getting used by over fortune 2000 companies across their supply chains as well as banks some of the biggest banks like hsbc uh, and, and as well as standard chartered using uh, uh, blockchain across their own banking products so that is a pretty interesting sector to uh, get into that's that's a huge sector to be honest uh that's that's uh valued at uh, in 2030 that's about to be valued at two th uh, about 54 billion dollars only in securing those assets so that that's a pretty uh, big industry and that is uh, uh, our final goal to get into but yeah 
we find we are uh, now now getting into this entire DeFi sector with uh, primarily starting with DEXs and lending protocols. Awesome. So tell me a little about uh, you know your product Detectbox. Uh, you you mentioned that it is um, basically creating uh, or helping with more efficient audits. Uh, so how is a Detectbox streamlining the process? And uh, again, what is uh, perhaps like one USP as against uh, the traditional auditing services in Web3 space? Yeah, sure. So uh, uh, if you talk about auditing, then uh, that's the problem with the audit sector is that uh, there's no transparency in the audit sector. Uh, if you talk about all the firms which are doing audits, uh, as in the traditional firms, then they do not let you choose or let you know who the auditor was at the back end and what his experiences are. And that is what uh, we figured out. And that is what we uh, 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 gave down to one platform where you know, Detectbox is a platform which gives you permissionless access to all security researchers across the globe. And what do we mean by all security researchers across the globe? It's top 1% of the security researchers across the globe uh, because we have a strong due diligence process on all the security researchers were entering uh, or getting into Detectbox um, for performing audits. Uh, so we really have a stringent uh, process while choosing them. But at the same time, uh, you know, once that is done, we also have a lot of like, huge pool of auditors to be specific. Now, the problem with this was, um, uh, was with one particular firm is that uh, not talking of the biggest firms because they have a lot of people employed. Uh, talking of the mid to small range firms who are doing audits is that they cannot handle a lot of projects coming to them just because uh, it's it's around four to ten people on average in their team. And that's a huge issue. Uh, you're not able to audit uh, uh, more than five to six projects at a time. And that is uh, where actually the issue of scalability comes in. Because if you are not able to scale, the projects are facing the issue. So let's say you are a project, you are going to this particular audit firm, he's only already handling five to six projects, then he'll not be able to take up another project. So he'll give you a 30 days of wait time, and then he'll take another 30 days to do the audit because of his internal operations. And traditional audit firm works in a very traditional manner with their business development team, uh, you know, the sales team, the marketing team uh, working together and then getting the client, and then the business development team who does not understand uh, uh, tech, getting to getting the conversations down from the auditor to the development uh, de development team of the client. Uh, this creates a huge issue. And on average, this used to take on an average, if you also consider the wait time, then it takes around two months to get through the entire audit procedure and then launch your product. What we did at Ansnal is that, uh, essentially at Detectbox, is we removed the entire uh, you know wait time uh, at Ansnal or Detectbox, the wait time is zero. Uh, you can just come in, you can list your project. Uh, at the same time, there are auditors who are just waiting. They'll get a notification directly in their mails from our platform uh, that there's been this uh, project which is listed. They're automatically come to the platform. They'll bid for that particular project. Once there's a match in the team, we now take over the entire project. And we say that we manage the entire audit supply chain. We're not just a matching platform. Now that uh, the, the match has occurred, um, uh, we have uh, something called Detect Warden on our end. We have removed the entire business development layer uh, from the internal operations. Yes, th that exists uh, at the client acquisition level, but after that, the business development team has no role. Uh, so basically, uh, we have some someone called Detect Warden, who's again a security researcher from our side. And this security researcher basically, uh, you know, does a residual vulnerability check 
and manages the entire audit procedure and watches the auditors who are doing uh, 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 the uh, uh, i mean the auditors were selected by the uh, t uh, uh, by the uh, team of developers of the client um, watches them and controls the entire audit procedure so that is where we are actually able to maintain the uh, uh, quality of the audit which we are performing so yeah that that's pretty much it and uh, we proudly Uh, delivered all these uh, last few audits uh, on an average in seven to fourteen days. Um, that's that's a huge benefit for the client because uh, number one, uh, we are globally compliant with all the security standards which are their standard smart contract security standards which are declared. So uh, there's uh, uh, no way any person can come and tell us that we are not uh, compliant or we did something less than any other big competitor in the market. Uh, number one is that, and we did that within seven to fourteen days, which means that he'll be able to launch much faster uh, into mainnet. So uh, we do provide a lot of flexibility and advantage in that case. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it. I think we solved transparency and the hassle in the industry, which is there, and uh, we got a lot of good reviews in while we were building the tech box. Awesome, awesome. That's brilliant. I think uh, this is something that I face as well, right? Because every time you go to a security audit company and you go, uh, you know, you request for an audit, there is a very long uh, waiting time. Uh, like even the yeah. top-notch security uh, audit firms, like Certic, and uh, you know, any of them, basically, you know, you go to them and they they tell you that okay, they'll get to it perhaps after a ninety-day period, and that is when they'll begin. So yeah. uh, you know, usually when you're trying to deploy very quickly. that is obviously not something um, pleasing to hear neither is it very conducive for your uh, business timeline so uh, this 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 particular process being streamlined and that to by an indian company i could not be more proud uh, so really kudos uh, to you and i can't wait to check out the tech box now probably you know we we'll, uh, we'll be hearing from my team very soon uh, to audit some of our contracts uh, considering you know you was making it sound so uh, easy and streamlined and quick um uh, wonderful uh, so tell me you know uh, because you know you you are uh, absolutely the expert in this space what are the kind of security threats that you potentially see or how do you think the security threats in web3 are going to change in the coming future okay so uh, uh, i what i personally feel is that uh, you know web3 is just another form of internet now uh, right you know uh, like if let's let's talk about technology in general first and then let's get into this entire web3 thing so uh, if we talk about the entire world right now now we are sitting on top of uh, you know ai revolution or let's not talk about ai a deep learning revolution which is going uh, all around, all across the globe now what's what's happening as an effect of it is that uh, we are generating processing and storing huge amounts of data now when we are generating processing and storing huge amounts of data uh that essentially means because we are now in the space where we are into gen ai and gen ai is essentially generating more and more number of data over time and all these data are again getting stored into centralized servers right so if these are getting stored into centralized servers like for example if it's server of google if it's server of um, amazon or microsoft or open ai then uh it creates a single point of failure again so definitely web2 uh, by saying this i said that web2 is definitely not a way uh, where you know our assets can be secured um, in the long run because whatever data we are giving down to the internet uh, is essentially one of our assets so uh, obviously web2 is uh, something which is not scalable beyond a point uh, when when 
you know, we have a lot of data. So how do we decentralize stuff? And what what threats do come in uh, along with the decentralization? So number one uh, point is that, so we are already having a lot of infrastructures around decentralized clouds and stuff. Uh, you know, we already have Filecoin doing uh, getting huge uh, in terms of whatever they're doing in uh, decentralized cloud storage. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of potential in that and we eventually will move into decentralized storages because otherwise we won't be able to store that, uh, you know, gigabyte or zettabyte amount of data which is getting produced each and every time. But um, what comes in essential over here is that since blockchain is more of a public infrastructure, uh, so basically, uh, you know, we cannot tamper data on blockchain. That's obviously because blockchain is inherently secure. But at the same time, if we talk about blockchain, it's an open infrastructure. Now, if it's an open infrastructure, it essentially cannot hold uh, a lot of your data, which is uh, open or open to the government uh, uh, or open to uh, some of the intricate bodies. Like, for example, uh, your most of your photos, which are now stored by uh, a Facebook or now stored by Instagram, uh, if uh, all those photos are stored across a blockchain, then it might seem secure, but at the same time, that's going a lot more public with a lot more public access. So um, the, base, the basic problem, uh, which uh, would happen in that case is privacy, number one, which I think is getting tackled a lot through uh, Zeki and the initiatives that Polygon has taken, uh, taken on in this. Uh, so I think ZK and uh, protection on data is the next thing, the next big thing in security. We have been only speaking about, hey, we got we got hacked of $100 million. We got hacked of this million dollars in DeFi. DeFi is just one segment of Web3 because Web3 is the next internet. You cannot speak like that uh, only DeFi is there in Web3. You only speak of NFTs in Web3 and NFT intras in Web3. Web3 is the next form of internet. If it's the next form of internet, all data of the public will essentially get stored on Web3. And if it's getting stored on Web3, then there needs to be an entire security stack which needs to be built for the data protection layer on Web3, which will be very different from Web2. You cannot, uh, you know, simply put firewalls to secure database in Web3. That That's uh, not happening in Web3. So, uh, you know, th there's, there's this entire... And even if that happens, you'll go, uh, run into multiple costs because... Now that you're saying that you're decentralizing stuff and it's an entire decentralized cloud, then how many firewalls do you put? Do you put millions of firewalls across all those decentralized nodes? That's not possible. So uh, there needs to be some other solutions which are coming in to manage this entire data layer of Web3 because now, still we do not have people's data uh, much in Web3. It's only financial transactions that are happening. So I think that's the next big opportunity and next big thing which will eventually come up in Web3 because that's not there and that's very essential. Awesome, awesome. I think uh, you're absolutely correct. I believe uh, that this space is is uh, already in a, you know, people I think have realized gradually after all of these uh, scams and rug pulls that uh, security audits are very, very important. And I think this in this entire security space it's like a it's like an octopus with many many arms and you know it keeps uh, growing and evolving and uh, you have to as as somebody who's building in the space you have to be very dynamic and uh, keep it keep ahead of the innovation you have to keep ahead of uh, absolutely the bad elements to make sure that uh, 
the space itself is able to thrive and uh, users themselves i think are now looking and standing understanding it uh, a little more and they understand the importance of uh, you know audits and the security aspect of all of these projects before they want to like perhaps uh, tinker with them yeah sure so uh, absolutely because uh, uh, you know you won't have any sort of ad uh, adoption until and unless uh, you know people are getting trust built into this entire ecosystem so uh, you know just uh, uh, you know solving this entire adoption issue through wallet abstraction will not help um, how much is that uh, uh, wallet prepared wallet abstraction secure that is the question and that that is where you know all financial transactions and that is why uh, you know web3 itself cannot exist without regulations as well uh, in web3 we do not have any compliance uh, security compliances or any regulatory compliances across the organization and uh, i think that essentially needs to come in because um you know you just cannot say that all those regulatory compliances which were there or security compliances which were there in web2 were just uh, for the sake of being there and they are not no longer relevant a lot of them are relevant i would say most of them are relevant you just need to mold things down and apply them to web3 and you need to have compliance because if you don't have compliance it's people putting in money and at any given point in time governments are not going to support you you cannot run your organization as a capitalist and then you say i go to a government and say that hey uh, I'll, i'll run my organization as a capitalist now you uh, consider me in your uh, government or not that's your problem that's not your problem that's your organization's problem that's not government government's problem the government will shoot you out so uh, i think um, uh, that's where we need to all come in uh, with with regulations with actual rules and stuff coming in uh, and that is where we'll get support of governments and mass adoption because if government does not promote blockchain then how will people come into blockchain that that's evident right absolutely so uh, you know recently uh, i i think first of all what you know what you are saying in terms of uh, having uh, some kind of perhaps standards i think self regulation is very important having certain time some some kind of standards and it comes to security is becoming very very pertinent there is a big need for people uh, and the people who are building in this space to be a little more aware and perhaps self regulate themselves till perhaps you know regulations kick in i'm not too sure how keen am i on regulations actually because i feel like it infringes upon the decentralized ethos of the space uh, but some amount of self regulation is very important uh, and i completely concur around that exactly like uh, if you talk about the regulations which are there around a lot of taxes and stuff then uh, that definitely goes a lot a lot of stuff goes against decentralization and the government needs to make amendments on that but at the same point of time if you talk about you know security uh, let me give this very uh, you know blatant uh, a point that you know all these security audits which you uh, guys are currently uh, doing from any firm uh, i am 90% sure that the auditor who's doing the audit does not have a certified ethical hacker certificate and that certification is very essential in web 2 if you do not have a certified ethical hacker certification you cannot perform any sort of penetration testing you cannot perform any sort of freelance work for any organization if it's for security or if it's for code review if it's anything and that uh, certification is given by top institutions across the world like microsoft and you need to go through a course for that you need to learn a lot of stuff how does an organization security work out what do you need to keep in mind and that is what 
uh, is not there in Web3. In Web3, all the security auditors uh, whom you see are, have either, you know, the top ones have uh, uh, come from Web2 security to Web3 security, but most of the population, the 90% of the population who are participating in Code for Arena, Sherlock, are college people, they're college developers who are finally turning out into auditors, or they are, you know, sort of direct turnouts into auditors because they, they can directly see that you can earn quite a few bucks over there. So you should not see security in a way that it, it is being seen currently in the industry. Auditors should be very credible people. If they are people like this, then it's a huge issue. And that, that will create a lot of problem in the future. Right. Absolutely. I think uh, that is something that you and I can both agree on. Uh, so tell me a little about, uh, you know, your recent fundraise. You, you guys have closed... Uh, uh, around from Antler, and uh, you've also received some grants. Uh, so, how has this changed uh, your journey? Yeah, sure. So, uh, like we um, had uh, for, received a first grant from Eat India back in uh, November 2022, I guess. And uh, that was the point when we actually thought of, you know, uh, we traveled to Bangalore during the last Eat India, and uh, we met a lot of people, we did a lot of networking, got to know about the industry. And then we finally started building what we are building, what we were building at Detectbox uh, after getting a lot of insights. And then we actually got this our second grant from Starknet. And then we got a third grant again from Eat India this year. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the journey with Antler has been pretty interesting uh, because uh, we were, we enrolled into the Antler India Fellowship after the Antler India Fellowship had closed last year. Uh, they took us into this year's cohort. Uh, and we were the first to get selected over there. Uh, we got, in, got into there. We got a $10,000 worth of grant from them. We built out our entire product uh, using that $10,000 plus whatever grant we had uh, received from other places. Uh, we built out a team. We built out an entire product. We got some uh, clients. We did a lot of sales. And uh, now that we have uh, done sales, we uh, have now seen a huge gap in the industry for which we are building out our entire product and for which we are undergoing undergoing rebranding as well, which with uh, which in a few days you'll see a change uh, across all our social media platforms and uh, obviously across across Telegram as well. The group name will change, a change as well. So uh, we uh, are going into a literal uh, and a change across that. So I think on the organization level, a lot of things have changed. Uh, but we as people have developed a lot. Um, I think we are shaped uh, as founders during the. Uh, program that we were there uh, you know the, the difference between a college student and a founder is that you know uh, there, there's this corporate duties which come over and there's a lot of uh, corporate responsibilities which you need to take care of legals financials uh, you know and then there are uh, operations and stuff all the systems processes which are there uh, I think all those things we learned and uh, we got a, a lot of guidance from some of the top people of the industry we got uh, guidance from uh, you know, the, the, the co-founder of Quantstamp as well. So, uh, you know, using all that knowledge, we finally landed up to closing our pre-seed round with Antler. And now we are going up with, a, obviously, a bigger, bigger seed round uh, with, with uh, you know, uh, several other VCs uh, coming in. So, yeah, so that that's uh, pretty much uh, been our journey till date. And Unsmile has radically changed. Uh, we had first started off with, uh, you know, something around... Uh, security tooling, audit tooling, uh, some somewhat like uh, you know solidity scan, and then we uh, uh, took a pivot of our idea into something around bug bounties, and then we 
uh, created this uh, entire product called Detect Box, and then we figure out the next billion dollar opportunity around risks, and then that's what uh, interested us and intrigued us a lot more, and that's what we are doing right now. All right, awesome! Congratulations, and uh, more power to you guys and what you're building. Uh, so you know, this has been such an interesting conversation. What you guys are building is so exciting that I completely lost track of time. I feel like I'm saying this a lot with. Uh, my recent recordings, uh, but I think that I'm really grateful that I get to speak to such wonderful people uh, who make absolutely time fly. Uh, so, you know, we'll have to wrap this up. Uh, but uh, before we do, I, I would like to ask you, um, you know, one question that I ask everybody who comes on this particular show. If somebody is, uh, you know, peering in from the Web2 side into Web3, uh, like you did pretty much, what would be your advice for them to start living on blockchain? Okay, so uh, like if you talk about you know to live on blockchain, uh, essentially uh, you need to transition from uh, the mentality of uh, centralization to decentralization, uh, and that's that's a pretty much mindset which even uh, my parents have today. So uh, if you talk about the newer generation, then the for the newer generation, uh, I think what uh, is driving people towards uh, Web3 is the loads of opportunities which are coming in and the face scale of the opportunities which are coming in uh, because, you know, you have a lot of money currently flowing down. I know it, it's a downtime right now, but uh, uh, overall, if you talk about, there are a lot of opportunities which are there in Web3, which are generally a lot more high-paid as compared to, uh, you know, all these uh, Web2 opportunities which are there. So I think that that is what uh, was driving people till now. But now that there's there's no funds and companies do not have any money, then what uh, what actually drives people towards this uh, is the technological stack or the technological innovations which you can uh, bring on in Web three. You cannot do that in Web two uh, apparently because it's it's almost saturated. If you talk about fintech in India, then fintech is a lot developed already in India with UPI coming in and you know the entire stack getting built over UPI. So, uh, you know, for, for a, any uh, infrastructure for that matter, for any uh, internet to flourish, Web1 was an internet, Web2 is an internet, Web3 is another form of internet which is getting built. There needs to be an infrastructure layer which needs to be ready. Now, there was, uh, uh, there's this AWS and stuff which is coming up on top of which uh, um, uh, Web2 was entirely built. And then now we have this entire stack of Web3 where still infrastructures are getting built and on top of which several products will get built this entire decentralized finance will get uh, built. Supply chains across world will be much more, uh, you know, sophisticated and very easy to understand via blockchain. So that entire layer will get built. But how do we build that if you do not build the infrastructure layer? So, uh, you know, we do have a lot of uh, friends from other colleges who are, you know, who have been traveling, uh, traveling down to all these conferences down in uh, Dubai, Singapore, and all these stuff. And the, the, the thing which intrigues them about this thing is the community, which uh, is especially there in Web3, because that's that's super supportive um, and uh, that's super excited as well. So if you have a lot of excited folks together in one room, then it cannot happen that you cannot build uh, something extraordinary, uh, because that's what that's how you build a great product. That's how you build great companies. Uh, so I think that that's that should be the motivation of, you know, uh, actually building something new or building something where 
you know they can have some command on or they can proudly say that hey, i actually built this uh, protocol or i actually built this layer of the internet for web3 so i think that is something pretty interesting and that is something uh, which is driving people and which will drive people in the future as well absolutely uh, 100% so thank you so much once again to deepan for taking out the time to speak to me before we wrap this up any parting thoughts my only thought is if you talk about at this point of time only give around uh, you know entrepreneurship because uh, i recently took the plunge of uh, a dropping of college and uh, you know really really building uh, things down in uh, security which is a deep tech uh, uh, stuff which we are doing uh, and you know a lot of people questioned us um, because we were two college people 2021 uh, who were going down and build a uh, building security company security is essentially a very very deep and ignored topic at the same time as it's very complex and difficult to understand so how do you go out and build that we got a lot of criticism for from a lot of people but i think uh, what matters is the grit with which you are standing uh, at any given point in time and your um, uh, and your uh, you know understandings about the uh, uh, industry where you are building and your focus and your clarity on that so uh, i think i i took the plunge i took the plunge as a third year right uh, from iit bsu and uh, uh, my co-founder took the plunge in his fourth year it was his final year he did not complete his college he also took a drop off so uh, if if you know we can do this at 2021 then uh, i think a, a lot of people can do this uh, and not run behind blindly uh, into you know this this is a problem with india that people run behind into directly mba colleges they want to get a, a, a stuff and degree done uh, but if you do have something significant down in college you should really consider it and if you have some traction if you are doing something pretty great then i think you should go ahead and take the risk because opportunities are not going to come again and again in your life very well said i think uh, that is something that uh, everybody can uh, pick a cue from and perhaps chase uh, after their uh, long lost stream or something that you know they've kept on the back burner for some time once again uh, thank you so much for taking out the time to speak to me sudeep and it was really wonderful talking to you great to talk to you too